Good afternoon, folks. Uh, we're going to get started here in just a moment, but um, I did want to alert you early on that um, we are going to have a presentation accompanying the one-month and three-month precipitation and temperature outlooks uh, discussion. So I wanted to go ahead and give you that uh, website address. It's, it's out on our Missouri River Water Management Information page. Um, I will announce that link later on in the um, in the uh, call, but did want to at least uh, give some of you the opportunity to get to that link. Um, the link is www.nwd-mr.usace.army.mil/r cc slash index dot html. And on that page, there is a Missouri Basin Climate Outlook link, and that is where the presentation resides. So let's go ahead and get started. Good afternoon. Um, thank you so much for joining us for our third Missouri River Basin Water Management Conference Call for 2014. I am Michael Coffey, and I will be moderating today's call. These calls are recorded in their entirety. Your participation acknowledges your consent to be recorded. We're going to be using a forced mute function during the call. Uh, to unmute your line during this call, enter star six. Um, please be aware that the function does not work on all phones. and. Um, that if it's not working on your phone, others can hear you, so if you could keep your conversations to a minimum. Also, um, after you finish speaking, if you would hit star six again, mute your phone, I'd really appreciate it. So for today's agenda, um, we're going to have Dr. Dennis Toddy, who is the South Dakota State Climatologist and Associate of Agricultural and Biosystems Engineering at South Dakota State University. He'll talk about the one-month and three-month precipitation and temperature outlooks from the NOAA Climate Prediction Center. We'll also have on the phone today Mr. Scott Doomer with the National Weather Service's Missouri Basin River Forecast Center. He's going to be talking about the latest potential outlook for flooding along the Missouri River Basin this spring. Mr. Brett Budd, Chief of the Systems Restoration Team for the Omaha District, will be discussing 2011 flood repairs. The Systems Restoration Team is responsible for the repairs of damages to the main stem dams and levees caused by the 2011 flood. Also on the phone today, we will have Ms. Kim Thomas, Chief of Omaha District's Readiness Branch, Kim will be providing an update on the status of Omaha District's preparedness for this year's spring runoff. Also on the phone, we have Mr. Judd Knieven, who is the Chief of Kansas City District's Readiness Branch, and he will be providing an update on the status of Kansas City District's preparedness for this year's spring runoff. Finally, we have Ms. Jody Farhat, Chief of the Missouri River Basin Water Management Division, um, she's going to be providing an update on current reservoir operations, and two of her team members, Mr. Kevin Stam and Mr. Joel Nozinski, 
Uh, we'll be discussing the Corps' runoff forecast for 2014 and the planned regulation of the reservoir system based on the current runoff forecast, respectively. So before we begin today's call, I do, I'd like to do a roll call for this afternoon's speakers. Uh, Dr. Toddy, are you on the line yet? Yes, I'm here. Great. Um, Scott Doomer, are you on the line? Yes, I'm here. Great. Um, Brett Budd, are you I'm on here. the line? I'm here. Kim Thomas, are you on the line? I'm here. Judd Kneven, are you on the line? Judd? Jody Farhat, are you on the line? Hey, this is Judd. I'm here. Okay, great, Judd. Thanks. And Jody, did I hear you? Yes, we're here. Okay, Kevin and Joel are also with you? Yep, they're with me. Okay, that's great. So we'll go ahead and get started. Um, Dr. Dennis Toddy will talk about the one-month and three-month precipitation and temperature outlooks from the NOAA Climate Prediction Center. Again, for those of you who would like to follow along with Dr. Toddy's presentation, it is located on our website at www.nwd-mr.usace.army.mil slash rcc slash index.html. Dr. Toddy, would you go ahead and get started, please? Thank you, Michael. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. hope everyone is enjoying the uh, beginning of warm-up here across the spring. Uh, we're going to start off with some, some kind of a quick outline and then run through a few maps to kind of give an overview on current conditions and what our outlooks are saying. So for those of you following along with the presentation, uh, the key points when are uh, referring to current conditions, uh, currently we're in a neutral ENSO condition. We are not in El Nino or La Nina. Uh, we'll talk about that more in just a second. The, in the outlook, there's been a change to that situation, but for most of the spring, the impact will be uh, neutral conditions for us. Um, we'll, we'll talk about snowpack on the plains, which is fairly limited overall uh, in the current situation. Uh, in contrast, the mountain snowpack, uh, we'll, the, the Corps will talk about more details on that, but uh, as of last, uh, I think the number was around 130% of average currently. Uh, so kind of a contrast in, in our snowpack situations from plains to mountains. We do have some deep frost in various areas of the basin, which could have an impact if there were to be any heavy precipitation until the frost goes out. Um, generally, recently, we've been colder in the plains uh, and, and, and also drier in the plains overall. Uh, precipitation over the last six days has been below average. We'll talk about that, while mountain snowpack, as we mentioned, has been uh, picking up. Um, looking ahead, uh, the predictions are likely indicating cooler conditions uh, into April and possibly throughout much of the rest of the spring, more likely in the eastern parts of the basin. Uh, Precipitation is not well defined across the area. We'll talk about that briefly, uh, but probably near average to maybe slightly below average precipitation would be the way we'd lean right now. Uh, the mountain snowpack, uh, it, its direction is, we don't have a good indication on that, but it looks like it'll probably continue accumulating uh, at this point. And uh, as we get into summer after the runoff season, El Nino will become more of an issue at that point. So let's go on to slide two, uh, kind of a review of our current conditions. So last 30-day maps 
over. This is showing the, the northern plains, the central plains area from Colorado, Kansas, northward. In the upper left-hand side, you see uh, the departure from normal, departure from average temperature across the basin. And you can see generally everything east of the divide has been below average over the last 30 days, as it has throughout much of the winter. Um, you know, in, in parts of Montana down into the east or into far western South Dakota, you know, running two to or three to six degrees below average. But northern Montana into the eastern Dakotas, we've been running uh, six to 12 degrees below average, much below average for this time of year. On the lower right-hand side, we have the percent of average precipitation for the area. Uh, the colors that are in the red, you see over most of the Dakotas, uh, that dot in north-central South Dakota I think is a bad data point. So most of the Dakotas are running uh, below average precipitation, most of the area less than half of average and some less than 25% of average. Uh, so that is why we've not had much, uh, much in the way of plain snowpack. As you look further to the west, heading toward the mountain areas, uh, you see uh, much above average, which is why we're seeing a more heavy accumulation in the mountainous areas. Go ahead to slide three. Uh, this is a map, I uh, should indicate those previous maps were from the High Plains Regional Climate Center. This current map of the mountain snowpack is courtesy USDA uh, NRCS in Portland and shows pretty well the areas in Montana and Wyoming, the blue areas that drain into the Missouri River. Uh, the, 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 the kind of tealish colored are 130 to 149% of average in those basins and some, uh, a few basins here and there with greater than 150% of average. This is snow water equivalent for this time of year. Uh, so we, we've seen an uptick in this, and uh, the Corps will, will address this a little bit more in some of their runoff forecasts. Going on to the next slide, showing you the current plain snowpack. Uh, this is from the No Risk Group uh, out of the, out of, uh, the Minneapolis area, uh, the NOAA Group, and it shows the contrast very well across the, the plain states, uh, where you can see this is the total SWE in the basins areas. Uh, the light gray from Montana, Wyoming, into South Dakota is from this most recent snowstorm, where we, but we have less than an inch of SWE available from that. Probably will not produce too much runoff, uh, too much additional runoff, other than what we're going to get out of the, out of the, the little bit of melting snow. You do see uh, in central North Dakota a, a bit of uh, carryover snow cover, and there's still some snow cover in the eastern Dakotas. Um, but the the eastern Dakotas one, and in part of North Dakota, will drain down through the James. Uh, the James will be a little bit slower reaching uh, into the Missouri River system, and then the Big Sioux will, will also be dumping some additional water, uh, but those are downstream of the reservoirs. So uh, most of our, our, our snow melt is going to come uh, uh, below the reservoir system. Let's go ahead and go to slide five. Uh, now we're looking at the, the outlooks. These are the temperature and precipitation probabilities for the, the third week of, of uh, March. These are from uh, NOAA's Climate Prediction Center. On the left-hand side, we have the temperature outlook. The blue area throughout uh, nearly the whole basin indicating uh, more likely below average temperatures uh, as our pattern of cold continues from the winter. Uh, more likely this northwest flow pattern out of Canada will continue in a modified format, keeping conditions uh, more likely cold overall. We will begin to warm. We will begin the snow melt uh, throughout certainly the plains areas, but uh, it will be slowed somewhat by overall colder temperatures. On the right-hand side, the green area, uh, we're looking at precipitation now. Eastern Montana to North Dakota has above average chances for precipitation during this time period. Note that these are probabilities of precipitation occurring, not necessarily amounts. 
so the, the, the situation right now is one that we're, with this northwest flow, we will continue to have smaller precipitation chances, but really we don't see in the offing uh, big precipitation events throughout certainly the plains areas. If we go on to the three-month outlook, you'll notice that I'm skipping the 30-day outlook, and that is because the last issuance of the 30-day outlook was uh, at, at the beginning of the month, and since we're nearly halfway through the month, we're kind of echoing something we've talked about already in the 8 to 14 day. The new outlooks, uh, the, the 8 to 14 day is updated every day. The new outlooks will be issued um, uh, next Thursday, so we'll be new ones at that point. Um, but getting some advance notice on those looks like the, the outlooks uh, as they are now are going to be continuing in, in the same fashion. So here we're looking at March through May, indicating that the blue with the eastern part of the basin having chances of staying cooler than average. Uh, the EC white areas equal chances for below or above average as we go through the spring. Um, on the precipitation side, there's EC equal chances over the whole basin. But if we stay in this northwest flow pattern, at least for the, the time uh, of the spring where we expect to have snow, um, this northwest flow and air out of Canada does not tend to be big, a big snow producer for the plains. It still will add snow to the, uh, to the mountains, likely, uh, that will run off, but the plains areas would not expect big snowfall events. And uh, then as we get into the convective part of, of the, the latter part of the spring, uh, we'll have to see how this plays out. But right now, we're not expecting uh, big precipitation events overall. Going on to the next slide, the current drought update, the U.S. Drought Monitor shows over the nearly the whole upper basin, really no status on the U.S. Drought Monitor. Uh, still some drought carryover from dry soils into Nebraska, Iowa, and Minnesota into some of the drainage areas in the upper, upper Missouri. Uh, and the drought, seasonal drought outlook indicates uh, likely some, some improvement in those for the spring just because of typical spring precipitation events. Okay, just a rehash of the key points. Um, you know, mountain snowpack, very little plain snowpack. Um, colder likely to continue. Um, and then our, our ENSO condition will be transitioning probably to El Nino, but that will not be occurring until uh, the summer or possibly into the fall. Uh, there'll be more on that as we go along. Uh, that concludes my report. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, Scott Dumer, are you on the line still? I am, thanks. Can you okay. hear me? Okay. Great. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, the National Weather Service issued its second spring flood outlook last week, projecting an active but not an exceptional spring flood season. Uh, snowpack conditions in the mountains can be generally categorized as above to well above average, with snow water equivalents running approximately 120 to 150 percent above average. By this point of the winter time, we usually have accumulated about 85 percent of the seasonal pack, uh, our seasonal snow water equivalent in the snowpack in the mountains. The March water supply forecast developed by the Natural Resources Conservation Services and collaborated with the National Weather Service was issued yesterday. This most recent water supply forecast suggests an above average mountain snowmelt runoff season in 2014 with mountain snowmelt runoff volumes basically running between 120 to 130 percent of average. Though we have an above average mountain snowpack, the National Weather Service at this time does not expect significant flooding due to mountain snow runoff alone. The National Weather Service is projecting minor flooding in the Bighorn, Big Hole, and North Platte Basins due to expected mountain snowmelt runoff. 
There is currently widespread but very shallow plain snowpack, uh, and we've actually pretty much lost almost all of that now, um, doing the recent recent weather here in the northern plains. Uh, however, the lack of the uh, snowpack is only part of the story. We still have uh, had uh, wet soil conditions going into the winter, coupled with extremely cold temperatures, and that has resulted in deeply frozen ground condition across much of the northern plains, as Dennis had uh, mentioned as well. Long-range forecasts developed by the National Weather Service this past week suggest the likelihood of minor to moderate flooding this spring in portions of the Dakotas and northern Iowa. This is not atypical and will be a function of any late winter plain snowpack or early spring rain uh, we receive during the remainder of the season. Convection drives flooding in the lower third of the Missouri Basin. The latest projections indicate the likelihood of minor to moderate flooding in Missouri, southern Iowa, and extreme Kansas due to springtime rains. In fact, we have already experienced some moderate flooding in late February in northern Missouri due to rain on previously snow-covered ground, and this is typical. Higher than normal stream flow conditions in the fall, coupled with an unusually cold winter, has led to ice formation on many of the streams and rivers within the Missouri Basin. Ice jams have been reported along the Bighorn, Wind, Gallatin, Niobrara, North Platte, and Platte Rivers thus far this season. Warm temperatures over the past weekend have resulted in numerous new incidents of ice jam flooding throughout the northern and western area of the Missouri Basin. Reports of major flooding due to primarily the ice breakup, coupled with some lower elevation snowmelt, is now ongoing along the Bighorn River in Wyoming. Moderate flooding is also being reported along the Muscleshell River in Montana. The Tongue River in Montana is also having minor flooding. The North Platte River at North Platte is currently influenced by ice movement. The Cannonball River and Little Muddy Creek in North Dakota currently have high stages due to snowmelt runoff aggravated by the ice jamming. The Little Missouri River in South Dakota is also running high, primarily due to ice blockage, and it has been a very active ice jam season, and ice jam flooding will continue to be a threat for the remainder of the winter and early spring. The National Weather Service will continue to monitor river response to the mountain and plain snowmelt as we progress through the 2014 season. National Weather Service headquarters will provide the 2014 National Hydrologic Assessment Press Briefing on Thursday, March 20th. Thank you, and this concludes the National Weather Service Flood Potential Brief. Oh, Scott, thank you so much. Um, Brett Budd, are you still on the phone? I am. Thank okay, you, Brett, take the floor. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Repairs from the 2011 floods of the operating projects, including the six Missouri River main stem dams, are progressing very well. Yomai District has awarded 55 construction contracts worth over $208 million for the repair efforts of the operating projects. We have completed 25 of the 55 contracts, and another eight contracts are more than 95% complete. Overall, the uh, repairs are 49% complete. The ongoing repair efforts will not adversely impact our ability to provide flood control and water regulation throughout the next flood season. Going state by state, in Montana, at Fort Peck Dam, the $35 million contract to make repairs at the plunge pool at the end of the emergency spillway chute continued through the winter. The contractor is currently installing anchors through the existing concrete walls and is also stockpiling concrete aggregates. 
Later on this summer, the contractor will begin placement of the roller compacted concrete as part of the permanent repairs. The Omaha District awarded an $8 million design bill contract for the inspection and repair of the 16 emergency spillway gates at Fort Peck. Last year, the contractor inspected all the gates, including non-destructive testing of the wells, and is currently completing the design of the repairs. Early next month, the contractor will mobilize to the job site to begin the repairs, which include weld repairs, replacement of the gate seals and wire ropes, and repainting of the gates. A follow-on contract uh, to repair the emergency spillway slabs will be awarded later this spring. In North Dakota, at the Williston Levee, in 2012, the Omaha District completed a $12 million repair contract to restore the levee crest to its original elevation and to repair and restore the tow road. In 2013, the, co the district awarded an $8 million contract for a relief weld installation. The installation of the relief wells are complete with just the installation of the outfall pipes and receding remaining, which will be completed early this year. At Garrison Dam, the Omaha District awarded an $18 million design build contract for the inspection and repair of the dam's 28 emergency spillway gates. The contractor is completing the inspection of the gates, including non-destructive testing of the wells, and is completing the designs for the first gates to be repaired. The contractor will be mobilizing later this spring to begin those repairs, which include painting, wire rope replacement, weld repair, seal replacement, and other minor items. A $4 million project to repair the powerhouse and West Terrace drains is 85% complete, and the contractor will remobilize this spring to complete those repairs. A $2 million project to repair the gates at the regulating tunnels is 60% complete, with work progressing through the winter and into the spring. A new contract will be advertised in the very near future to complete repairs of the emergency spillway slabs. Repairs at the levee and causeway at Fort Yates is substantially complete, and the contractor will remobilize early this spring to complete the repairs. In the state of South Dakota, at Owyhee Dam, the Omaha District has a $7 million design-build contract to make repairs to Owyhee's eight spillway gates, including painting, weld repairs, seal replacement, and other minor items. The contractor has completed an inspection of the gates and is finalizing the repair plans for all eight gates. The contractor will mobilize later this spring to begin those repairs. All other flood repairs at Owyhee Dam have been completed. At Big Bend Dam, the Omaha District awarded a $5 million design-build contract for the inspection and repair of the dam's eight emergency spillway gates. The contractor is completing the inspections of the gates, including non-destructive testing of the welds, and is completing the designs for the first gates to be repaired. The contractor will be mobilizing later this spring to begin those repairs, which include painting, wire rope replacement, weld repairs, seal replacement, and other minor items. All other flood repairs at Big Bend Dam have been completed. At Fort Randall Dam, the Omaha District awarded a $17 million design-build contract for the inspection and repair of the dam's 21 emergency spillway gates. The contractor is completing the inspection of the gates, including non-destructive testing of the wells, and has completed the designs for the first gates to be repaired. The contract also includes replacement of the dam's stop logs, which are used to hold back water upstream of the gates to allow the gates to be raised and repaired. The contractor will be mobilizing later this spring to begin those repairs, which include painting, wire rope replacement, Weld repairs to replace another minor items. Work will begin this year on a $7 million Phase II spillway slab repair project at Fort Randall. At Gammons Point Dam, the Omaha District awarded a $12 million design bill contract for the inspection and repair of the dam's 14 emergency spillway gates. The contractor is completing construction of new stop logs that will allow the inspection of the gates. 
Once the inspection of each of the gates is completed, the contractor will begin preparation of detailed design for the repair of each of the gates. The contractor will begin repairs early this summer to include painting, wire rope replacement, wall repairs, sill replacement, and other minor items. All other flood repairs at Gavin's Point have been completed. For additional information or updates, to the Omaha District webpage under the Flood 2011 Repair link. Thank you, and back to you, Michael. Okay, thanks so much, Brett. Kim, are you still with us? I am. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead, please. All right. All right. Good afternoon. Uh, just a couple of quick updates on uh, some requests we've been receiving here in the Omaha District. Uh, we've received technical and direct assistance requests from Montana, Wyoming, the Crow Tribe, and the Northern Cheyenne Tribe. Uh, we've had five flood fight engineers on site since last Friday, uh, providing technical assistance, technical assistance to several communities along the Bighorn, the Little Bighorn, and the Muscleshell Rivers. Um, in Wyoming, we deployed uh, 2,000 linear feet of HESCO. Uh, there was a major ice jam on the Bighorn uh, near Graybull. Uh, we do have a federal levy in that area. The ice jam has since uh, broke and dissipated downstream, uh, but that federal levy really did its job up there. We only had a few feet of freeboard uh, left on that at the uh, height of the ice jam through there. In Montana, we deployed 200,000 sandbags to Fort Harrison uh, to pre-stage those. Uh, we're providing technical assistance uh, to the ice jam on the muscle shell. Uh, we have a team in Roundup today. And we provided uh, 4,000 sandbags each to both Northern Cheyenne and uh, Crow Tribes and had a team there on the ground yesterday uh, checking critical infrastructure. Uh, we do have all of our flood fight training complete uh, throughout the basin. And last week uh, we had our annual meetings with all the state emergency management offices and are uh, currently prepared to respond to any additional requests. And that concludes my report for today. Okay, great, Kim. Thank you so much. Judd Kenevan, are you still on the phone? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead, please. All right, good afternoon. Hey, Kansas City District, uh, uh, we're preparing for any potential flood season. Uh, right now we're in really good shape. Uh, uh, we have a well-trained uh, staff from the previous year's flooding. We're very well stocked with flood fight supplies and equipment. Uh, we have 4.1 million sandbags on hand, uh, 35 pumps and five sandbag machines. Uh, we maintain contracts for additional flood fight equipment, uh, so we're very well prepared there. Uh, this month and next month, we'll be conducting flood fight training uh, throughout our uh, area of responsibility, and coordination with sponsors uh, continues. Uh, from 2013, uh, we had 10 levy rehab projects. All but two of those have level of protection restored, and the damages uh, that occurred are flood fightable if they have not been repaired yet. Uh, the two levee systems uh, that had overtopping breaches are the Jacobs Levee and the Tebbets Levee System, which are both located east of Jefferson City, Missouri. Uh, we expect to award a contract uh, uh, for both of those systems at the beginning of April. Uh, that concludes my report. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Judd. Jody, are you and your team ready? We're here. Okay. Great. Great. So thanks, everyone, for joining us today for this third Missouri Basin Outlook conference call of 2014. We appreciate your participation and look forward to working with you in the coming months. 
Following the 2011 flood, the Corps' Northwestern Division committed to better communication with congressional delegations, states, tribes, and stakeholders, and this call is part of that effort. Flood control remains our primary consideration as we move into 2014. However, drought persists across much of the lower basin, and storage in the Missouri River Mainstem Reservoir System is well below normal due to the 2012 drought. We've heard a lot of stories in the news over the past week or so about the potential for flooding this spring. However, you've just heard the National Weather Service's spring flood outlook describing essentially a normal flood risk this year with minor to moderate localized flooding expected as a result of snowmelt runoff and ice jams and the typical minor to moderate flooding in eastern Kansas and Missouri that's seen almost every year as a result of thunderstorm activity below the reservoir system. Runoff in the Missouri Basin comes from three sources, plain snowpack, mountain snowpack, and rainfall. It's important to remember that the 2011 flood was the result of high runoff from all three of these sources. Widespread heavy plain snowpack, much above normal mountain snowpack, and record rains over a large portion of the upper basin. Currently, only one of those three conditions exists today, the above normal mountain snowpack. So a repeat of the 2011 flood is highly unlikely. Last week, we posted the March runoff and reservoir regulation forecast on our website. And now I'll ask two of the senior engineers in my office to describe these studies in more detail. We'll begin with Kevin Stom, who will discuss the updated 2014 runoff forecast, and he'll be followed by Joel Konopchinski, who will discuss the planned res regulation of the reservoir system based on the current runoff. Then I'll come back on, on the line with a few closing remarks. Go ahead, Kevin. Thank you, Jody. The updated 2014 calendar year runoff forecast is 30.6 million acre feet, which is 121% of normal above Sioux City. The increase since the February forecast is due to greater than predicted February runoff and an increase in the March-April runoff forecast due to wet soil conditions, frost depths, and the potential for above normal precipitation. A rise in mountain snowpack contributes to an increase in runoff expected during the May, June, July period. Current drought conditions have shown limited change. Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota are mostly drought-free, while the majority of Nebraska, Kansas, and Iowa have improved the past year to abnormally dry to severe drought conditions. Based on the Climate Prediction Center's calculated assessment of soil moisture conditions, plain soils are much wetter than normal in much of Montana, Wyoming, and western North Dakota and South Dakota. Furthermore, frost depths are much deeper than normal this year due to much colder than normal winter temperatures and a lack of snow cover. Because of the wet soil moisture conditions and deep frost depths, there is increased potential for above normal runoff in these areas from snowmelt and spring rainfall. Plain snowpack was considered light throughout the upper Missouri River Basin. Most of the shallow snowpack had melted as of March 10th, though some snow persists along the northern and eastern boundary of the upper Missouri basin. Snow water equivalents in these locations ranged from zero to two inches of water equivalent. There is still potential for additional snow accumulation in the plains through early spring if winter storms enter the basin. Mountain snowpack as of March 7th was 127% of average for the headwater basin above Fort Peck while it was 135% of average for the Garrison Subbasin, based on the 30-year average. 
In both basins, mountain snowpack has already exceeded the 30-year average peak accumulation. However, it has not yet peaked. Normally, by March 15th, 87% of the eventual peak snowpack has accumulated, and it normally peaks around April 15th. The CPC's climate outlook, as discussed by Dennis Cotti, indicates continued cooler than normal temperatures in the northern plains with increased chances for below normal precipitation in the eastern Dakotas. The extended outlook through May still indicates colder than normal temperatures in the northern plains and equal chances for precipitation. In summary, an increase in mountain snowpack and an increase in projected runoff due to wet soil conditions and frost depths have led us to adjust the 2014 calendar year runoff forecast to 30.6 million acre feet or 121% of average. The forecast and a detailed description of our forecasting methodology has been posted to our website. Thank you. Okay, Joel. Thank you, Jody. The reservoir system storage is currently at 50.9 million acre feet, or 5.2 million acre feet below the top of the carryover multiple use zone. This 5.2 million acre feet of storage is in addition to the 16.3 million acre feet of flood control storage that was available with the start of the runoff season. Gavin's Point releases are currently 14,000 CFS. Releases will be stepped up beginning around March 17th to provide flow support for the 2014 navigation season. The navigation season will open on April 1st at the mouth near St. Louis. Garrison Dam releases averaged 17,900 CFS in February. Releases were reduced from 18,000 CFS to 17,000 CFS on Monday and will be stepped down to 16,000 CFS in mid-March. Ice conditions in the Bismarck area will be monitored closely during the thaw and additional adjustments to garrison releases will be made if conditions dictate. Moving on to the monthly studies, the basic simulation uses the runoff forecast that Kevin just discussed. Due to the amount of variability in precipitation and other hydrologic factors that can occur over the next several months, we also develop an upper and lower runoff that are then used in the upper and lower basic simulations. These simulations provide a range of reservoir elevations and releases that may be expected under the different runoff scenarios. The discussion to follow will focus on the basic or most likely runoff forecast. Information on the other runoff simulations is posted on our webpage. Looking at the upper three reservoirs, under the most likely forecast, Fort Peck Reservoir is expected to peak near elevation 2236.3 or 2.3 feet into the 16-foot flood control pool which extends from elevation 2234 to 2250. Peak releases are expected to average about 9,000 CFS this summer. Garrison Reservoir is expected to peak near elevation 1845.0, or 7.5 feet into the 16.5-foot flood control pool, which extends from elevation 1837.5 to 1854.0. Peak releases are expected to average about 26,000 CFS this summer. Oahe Reservoir is expected to peak near elevation 1610.2, or 2.7 feet into the 12.5-foot flood pool, which extends from elevation 1607.5 to 1620. Peak releases are expected to average about 30,000 CFS this summer. The navigation service level is used to determine releases from Gavin's Point Dam to support navigation and to help provide an 8- to 9-foot deep navigation channel downstream. The navigation service level at the start of the navigation season is based on the March 15th system storage check. We are now within a few days of March 15th, and it is very likely that flow support for navigation will be approximately halfway between minimum and full service. 
Flows for this level of service are designed to provide between an eight and nine foot deep navigation channel, with Gavin's Point releases expected to range from the low 20,000 CFS to low 30,000 CFS this summer, depending on downstream conditions, and releases will be reduced in, in response to downstream flooding. However, the effectiveness of the reservoir system to reduce peak stages along the lower river diminishes as you move downstream due to the travel time. The service level for the remainder of the navigation season and the navigation season length are based on the July 1st system storage. Under the basic forecast, flow support for navigation would improve to full service and it would be for the full eight-month navigation season. The forecasted energy generation at the main stem dams for 2014 under the basic simulation is 8.9 billion kilowatt hours. With normal reservoir levels and releases, we would expect approximately 10 billion kilowatt hours. Thank you, and back to you, Jody. Okay, so in summary, runoff is forecast to be about 30.6 million acre feet this year, 121% of normal. Runoff of this magnitude is expected to occur on average once in every four years. To put this in perspective, runoff in 2011 was 61 million acre feet, nearly twice as much as, being, as is being forecast this year. The upper three reservoirs, which contain nearly 90% of the total system storage, are still drawn down significantly due to the 2012 drought. There's currently 5.2 million acre feet of space available in the conservation pool that will be used to capture a runoff this spring, increasing the total flood control capacity of the system by about a third. Even with the increased runoff forecast this month, we do not expect the reservoir system to completely refill this year. System storage will rise into the annual flood control and multiple use zone this summer, but will fall back into the conservation zone later in the year as we make releases for navigation and other downstream uses. Mountain snowpack is currently at about the same levels as this time in 2011, but well below the peak snowpack levels seen in 1997 or 2011. We would need an additional seven to eight inches of snow water equivalent in the mountains to tie the 2011 peak snowpack. And there's little to no plain snowpack at the present time, although as Dennis mentioned, we did pick up a little bit of snow across Montana and South Dakota yesterday. And the soils are wet and deeply frozen, so any snow melt or rain that we get will likely run off into the reservoirs, and we've accounted for this in our runoff forecast. We'll continue to monitor the conditions in the basin and we'll make any necessary release adjustments as the spring unfolds. And one last thing. Our spring public meetings have been scheduled for the second week in April. Meetings will be held in Kansas City and Nebraska City on Tuesday, April 8th, in Pierre and Bismarck on Wednesday, April 9th, and at Fort Peck on Thursday, April 10th. The regular basin update call that we had previously scheduled for that week will be moved to Friday, April 11th. Uh, it'll be a call similar to this, but it will also be open to the public for those who were unable to make it to one of the public meetings. That concludes my remarks. We'll go back to you, Michael. Thanks. Okay, thank you. All right, um, so that concludes all of the presentations. Uh, we are going to now open up uh, the lines for questions. We'll field them by state. So if you have questions for the core, Dr. Toddy or Scott Zumer, um, if you'll uh, wait until you hear your state called out, um, again, star six to unmute your line. Um, okay, we'll start with the state of Nebraska. Do we have any congressional delegation members on the phone who would like to ask questions? 
Do we have any um, tribes or state officials, local government, Nebraska Press? Okay, uh, State of Wyoming. Do we have any congressional delegation members? Tribes, state officials, local government, Wyoming press. Uh, Michael, we might want to remind folks to hit star six to come off mute. Yeah, star six to come off mute again. Okay, State of Kansas. Any congressional delegation members? Any tribes or state officials? Local government? Kansas Press? Montana? Montana congressional delegation members? Montana tribes? Montana state officials? Local government, our Montana press, North Dakota, congressional delegation members from the state of North Dakota, North Dakota tribes, state officials, local government. This is Laura Ackerman from the North Dakota State Water Commission, and we just have personnel in the field to try and determine. It looks like there's something that could be going on at the Washburn gauge because it's going down when the Bismarck gauge is going up. So we have personnel out. That's all we have to report. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. We'll be watching that as well. Thank you, Charlie. Okay, uh, we'll go on to Missouri. Missouri Congressional Delegation Members. Missouri State Officials are local government. Missouri Press. This is Marshall White at the News Press in St. Joe. Hi, Marshall. Go ahead. I had trouble getting on today. Oh, sorry about that. Um, Jody. Yes, Marshall. You do not see any likelihood of a repeat of 2011 this time? I do not. I think Can you talk about what you mean by uh, normal to moderate flooding? Um, that's the National Weather Service forecast, and I think particularly down in your area, um, in Missouri, uh, some of those areas along the river and along the tributaries uh, get uh, some minor to moderate flooding nearly every year as a result of um, thunderstorm activity. And so I think, uh, and, we, and we can go back to Scott and ask him to verify, but I think what we're talking about is the normal type flooding that folks down in your area would see in any typical year. I guess, Scott, do you want to add to that at all? Sure. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, in any typical year in the southern uh, third of the basin, which is you know eastern Kansas throughout Missouri, uh, 
we get minor to moderate flooding largely due to just the frequency and the intensity of the uh, thunderstorm activity and rainstorms that come through the area that time of year. So it's nothing uh, that doesn't happen very often, or it, it happens quite often, minor and moderate flooding. Uh, when we say minor flooding, we're talking about uh, river levels that have minor impacts uh, to people overall, to the community as a whole. So typically what a minor what minor flooding means is agricultural land could be flooded, uh, some uh, back roads could be flooded, uh, low traffic roads, that type of thing could be flooded. Moderate flooding, you start getting into more paved roads and you know county highway flooding into uh, possibly some outbuildings, uh, that type of thing. Um, so those, that's the type of flooding qualitatively you could kind of kind of um, consider to uh, be par for the course for uh, Missouri in the springtime. Typically not more than a day or two? Uh, a couple of days, right. Not These aren't typically long-lasting floods. They last, you know, sometimes a week uh, from by the time it goes above flood stage until when it drops below flood stage. So okay. but, right, we're not looking at long-fused, uh, long-lasting floods. Scott, what's your last name? Doomer, D-U-M-M-E-R, and again, it's pronounced Doomer. And your title? I'm the Development and Operations Hydrologist for the Missouri uh, Basin River Forecast Center. Okay. S-C-O-T-T? Correct. I got somebody who only uses one T, so Okay. I'll, I always ask. Jody? That's Marshall. Um. Uh, you are typically thinking during the navigation season that we'll be running at about 26,000 CFS? Um, it'll depend on the downstream conditions. Uh, typically, as we uh, move through the year, our releases are increased because the tributary flows decline. Um, we're thinking as we go up next week that we'll need about 26,000 to meet the navigation targets at the beginning of the season, and again, we're having reduced support to navigation because of the low reservoir levels. And then that number will probably go up into the low 30s later in the summer. But we do have the capacity in the reservoirs to reduce releases if we get downstream rains. And I think that's critical for folks in your reach. So you're saying you can store with this extra um, storage capacity yeah, even without that, yeah, yeah, we have plenty of capacity. It's not just because the reservoirs are low. Um, we, you know, the flood control capacity that's normally there is typically used for that purpose as well. But we do have the ability to reduce releases for downstream flooding. How effective that is, though, depends on you know where the rain falls and how far you are from the reservoir system, because it's about probably a four-and-a-half to five-day travel time down to the St. Joe area. So that does reduce the effectiveness of the reservoir operations. Okay, I think that's all I've got today. Okay, thanks, Marshall. Okay, thanks, Marshall. Um, so any other Missouri press? Okay, what about um, Iowa? Iowa congressional delegation members? Iowa state officials? Local government? What about Iowa Press? 
Okay, uh, South Dakota. Um, are there any congressional delegation members in South Dakota that may have questions? Yeah, this is Andrew with Congresswoman Nome's office. Yes, go ahead. Uh, and this would be a question for, for Jody and the Corps. Um, you know, we've obviously heard from some of our communities that are watching this with a lot of interest and was just wondering, uh, does the Corps have any contingency plans if runoff starts to uh, trend above normal, or at what point would you guys start developing those? Well, you know, we monitor the conditions every day. So uh, we have the ability to make changes you know, as we move through the spring, you know, for example, if we would see, you know, uh, the snow continue to accumulate and, you know, reach record levels or big uh, snows on the plain, uh, we can immediately begin to evacuate water. And then the emergency management folks in the Corps also have contingency plans. I think they've been up there and talked to the state you know, over the past week. So there's a lot of planning going on, uh, even though we don't anticipate needing a lot of those resources this year. Okay. Is there like a threshold as far as, uh, you know, runoff estimates that things would move more quickly? I'm just trying to get a gauge as to whether, is there like some number that you guys have where we would we should start to be more concerned? Well, in the... Uh, monthly reservoir studies that we updated and posted on the web um, yesterday, uh, we or not yesterday, last week, we include our upper basic runoff forecast. Um, that one includes about 41.7 million acre feet of runoff. And in that study, you see that uh, we would begin to uh, ramp up our releases. We At that point, we we're looking at a water supply. So the water that's in the reservoirs plus what we expect to come in through the rest of the year. So in that study, we would begin to evacuate flood water in the April or early May timeframe. So um, again, we'll, you know, we watch the forecast and look at that total water supply. It also includes the storage capacity of some of the tributary projects. So we, we look at all that together and then determine whether or not we need to start evacuating additional water. And at this time, we don't. In fact, as I mentioned, we won't even refill the reservoir system this year. Um, but if conditions would turn remarkably worse, then we're ready to uh, move on to that other plan. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Um, any South Dakota tribes or state officials? Michael, this is Christy Terman with the State Office of Emergency Management in South Dakota. I do have a couple of questions. Oh, great. Go ahead. Uh, and I think these are probably for Jody. Uh, first, is there a we talk about drought conditions that um, we're still trying to refill the reservoir from the 2012 drought. Is there a trigger for when you consider drought conditions no longer exist in the system? Well, there's a couple uh, things that we use to say that there's still drought going on. First is that the reservoirs are still drawn down. So that isn't really a drought condition on the basin, but it's an impact in the in the reservoir system. So we're drawn down a little over 5 million acre feet right now. And then we still have um, dry conditions in much of the lower basins, so across Nebraska, uh, Kansas, and um, Missouri, we have drought conditions, and those are put out by um, 
the National Drought Mitigation Center, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, we're looking at a couple different factors when we say there's drought. We're looking at the soil conditions in the lower basin and then also the reservoir conditions. Okay, and my my second question, I'm assuming that if we were looking at a flood scenario that this weekend's mountain melt would have a positive impact on that? Is that the case? Is that true? You mean the the melt that we got last weekend? Yeah, well, the melt that is starting over has started over this weekend. If you look uh up in the in the Montana mountains, there's a lot of flood advisories and flood warnings. I'm assuming that some of that melt happening now lessens our chance down the road of of having a flood. Right. I think that what we are seeing right now is um some of the plain snowpack come off and you know, many of the rivers and streams are still ice covered, so when that water is coming off um, into those ice affected streams, you know, we've gotten some of the lowland flooding. Um, and, and maybe a little bit of the low level mountain snowpack coming off as well. And I think, you know, the answer to your question is the longer we can extend the period of melt, the, the better everyone will be. But, um, you know, we, I think that, uh, you know, having in intermittent periods of warmth where we lose a little bit of the no, at a time. That's a good thing. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, any other state officials or local government in South Dakota? This is Brad Lawrence. I got a couple questions. Okay, go ahead, please. The first one is on the uh, calculation of the deciles and quartiles. Has that been uh, converted over to the actual skewed distribution math at this time? I'm sorry, into the what? Skewed distribution math rather than uh, graphical interpretation. I'm looking around. I, I don't I don't okay, know. Okay, on the the uh, runoffs are a skewed distribution, so the math you have to use special math to come up with the upper decile, upper quartile, uh, those uh, calculations. I'm curious if that's being done or if it's still being done graphically. Um, we develop our own runoff forecasts, and so we come up with the most likely forecast, and then we factor that runoff forecast um, to get the upper and lower runoff forecast. Um, and and it does, you know, for example, increase the most likely forecast by as much as 160% um, during those peak runoff months to account for. Um, what you're calling the skew and the runoff distribution, I would guess. Okay. The second question deals with on the data sheet that was sent out. Um, they show you, you have it shown as approximately 50% of the runoff would come from the mountain snow packet. So then, if if that's the case, if we continue on towards the 2011 level, the trend continues, and we end up something real similar to that, we would probably then have to bump up the overall runoff forecast at that time. Right. That. What that sheet that I think you're talking about, it's a, it's a um, key messages that we've distributed to the state folks in the past day or two. Um, and what it talks about, and we talk about this at all our public meetings, that we typically get about 25% of our annual runoff during the months of March and April, which coincides with the melt of the uh, plain snowpack. And then we get, on average, about 50% of it um, based on or during the months of 
May, June, and July, which coincides with the typical runoff of the mountain snowpack. That's not actually how we necessarily distribute this year's runoff forecast. You know, we actually are looking at the plain snowpack and the mountain snowpack and putting it into the appropriate time frames. Um, but that just tells you uh, what typically occurs if you look at the historic record. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, um, do we have any um, other state officials or local government from South Dakota? And if not, do we have any South Dakota press? This is Tony Mangan at KCCR Radio and Pier. Hi, Tony. How are you? Okay. Jody, a couple questions. Eventually, the water, the snowpack is going to have to come through the reservoir, correct? That's correct, Tony. Okay. The question is, are you going to, is there going to be any chance of even some minor flooding at all? I mean, are you, are you thinking that there's going to be some minor flooding um, when that water comes through the Oahu Reservoir? Uh, we don't anticipate any flooding along the main stem of the Missouri River between the reservoirs as a result of our releases. Um, there could be, uh, on some of those rivers that flow into the Missouri, you know, minor flooding along there. And I guess I would say, you know, also, uh, you know, up, upstream of Garrison Reservoir, we have about a 200-mile river reach, so there could be some, you know, localized flooding. But it won't be a a result of the reservoir releases like you saw in 2011. What about, are you, have you given any thought to how much you're going to release it at one time, the, you know, the, the cubic feet per second? I mean, are, are you looking at releasing at 50,000 50, or 75,000 eventually? I mean... Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, we're, we're much, much less than that. Um, as, as we talked about in the, I think Joel talked about uh, at Oahe, we expect um, peak releases this summer to be about 30,000 cubic feet per second. And that's really just to back up our navigation releases. We're not anticipating the need to evacuate any flood water this year. Are, are we, in your mind, you know, you talked about the 2012 drought and the fact that the reservoirs are still down, you know, you know compared to that. Are we still in a drought period? Or are we out of that yet? The reservoir system is still suffering the effects of the drought. The upper basin does not have drought conditions. Your soils have returned to normal and, in fact, are wetter than normal. But we still do have drought conditions in the lower basin where the soils are very dry and uh, we're seeing impacts of drought in the lower basin. And I know a couple a couple people, Jody, from, uh, from South Dakota have already asked this question. But are, there, uh, are you meeting, is the core talking to communities and states and, uh, you know, at this point to make contingency plans if something does go wrong? I'll let Kim answer that. Yeah, Tony, this is Kim Thomas. Uh, hi, Kim. hi. Hey, we have been uh, meeting with all the state emergency management offices as well as the tribal officials um, and FEMA on a, on a regular basis. We actually were just in all the states uh, last week at face-to-face -face meetings. So uh, very much open and transparent communications uh, early here. Yeah, do you get the impression that they, that when you talk to them, they feel pretty good about what they're hearing at this point? 
Uh, we'll have to we'll have to ask them, but you know, really everybody's on the same page. We're all understanding the situation. Uh, we got to remember that every flood is is a different flood, and so uh, just have to understand that. Thank you. Okay. Um, any other South Dakota press? Yes, this is Jerry Oser, WNAX Radio in Yankton. Hey, go ahead. And a question in the, in the flood of 2011, as we got into that event, it was the snow melt and very heavy rains upstream, and we kind of got a surprise every day. And Jody, maybe you could answer this. Do you have any uh, different reporting methods, any different uh, updated uh, reaction modes as you did compared to 2011? Well, I think there are some differences. You know, we haven't changed the overall operation of the reservoir system. We didn't update the manual or anything following the 2011 flood, but there are some things that we're doing differently. Um, one is this increased coordination that we're having, uh, things like this call. Um, the second is that we do a lot more coordination now with the other federal agencies and with the state climatologists and, and local folks um, on developing our runoff forecast. and. Uh, you know, I think that's a pretty significant change. We're working with all all the folks that are gathering data and making sure that um, we're all singing off the same sheet of music. Um, there was a proposal developed following the 2011 flood about uh, developing a plain snowpack and soil moisture monitoring uh, system, and you know that proposal is out there. Um, it was included, um, I don't remember, in either the House or the Senate version of the Word of Bill, um, but nothing has come out of that yet. But um, we are interested in uh, getting better soil moisture and plain snowpack data. But in the meantime, you know, we're doing things to address that as well. We're making sure that all the data that's collected by the states and by us is shared between the agencies. Um, we have a, the Corps has a network of volunteers who go out during the winter and collect uh, plain snowpack data. Uh, so we're working with that, trying to make sure that um, we're seeing all the conditions that are out there. But since 2011, in terms of real-time data, that's not changed? Is that what you're saying? That's correct. The, we haven't, um, there hasn't been any addition in the real-time data collection. So maybe Dr. Toddy's still online, and if that's the case, it, you know, then in plain snowpack, you, you know, how do you make your uh, estimates on that? Is it by guess or by golly or uh, by uh, volunteers uh, type reporting? Um, yeah, I, I'm still on here. Um, the, the what is used for plain snowpack monitoring is as you are the co-op observer. We use the National Weather Service co-op observers getting the snowpack monitored. Um, the we have throughout the basin and could always use more. Volunteers who report uh, snow snow amounts to the COCO-ROS network, the Volunteer Precipitation Monitoring Effort. Uh, the core volunteers report to them, and then that data is fed along with satellite and some other data to the no-risk group, which is the map I showed you out of the Twin Cities from NOAA that combine that data along with some, some aircraft flights and satellite data to get these maps. Um, they are... They're good. They can be better because we need better 
ideas of what is actually in the snow uh, in the plane, and we need a better detail on that. That's why the the uh, issue that Jody brought up on the plane snowpack and soil moisture monitoring is so important. Okay, thanks. Okay, any other questions? Jody? Yes. This is Jeff Dooley from Dakota Dunes. Hi, Jeff. You had uh, you mentioned uh, earlier in your remarks, and it's been commented about the about the amount of snowpack that are that, that is currently in the mountains. Uh, yep. One of the one of the things I get asked the most is is what is the what is the core doing differently today uh, than it was in 2011? Uh, and you kind of answered that a little bit, but looking at your short term release projections, be clear those are those are mainly driven by navigation and normal operating parameters, correct? And not necessarily pack or flood? That's correct. Okay. And, I, and listening to some of your answers to some of the other questions, there is a point um, down the road where uh, flood considerations will start uh, overcoming the, the other considerations? That's right. If we would see, you know, a dramatic change in basin conditions, then you know, we would switch to a flood operation mode where um, we increase our releases to nav that serve navigation in order to evacuate any flood water that we think we're going to accumulate during the year over the longest period of time possible. So we would want to start that, you know, as soon as we see the runoff into the reservoir system, and we would continue those higher releases uh, clear until December. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, um, do we have any national press on the phone that may have questions today? This is Paul at Yank County. Okay, go ahead, please. Yeah, I've got a question. Uh, during the 2011 uh, flood, we had uh, uh, elevation heights of the river, uh, you know, based on so many cubic feet per second being uh, released from the dam. Since the flood, has there anybody or has there been any effort to make uh, new maps, uh, lidar, so that uh, lidar taken of the river, so that at a certain CFM we kind of know what the elevations of the river will be or could be? Okay, um, this is Jerry. Can you tell me where you're located at? Uh, I'm with Yankton County Emergency Management, just below Gavin's Point. Oh, Yankton County. Okay, I didn't hear the name of the county. Um, you know we. We have resurveyed the reservoirs, uh, well, five out of six of them since the 2011 flood. And in the river reaches, we have done some water surface profiles, and we're looking at those gauges, you know, every day. So um, we know there have been some changes, and especially in the area that you're at, um, there's been degradation of the channel. So at the same release, um, we have lower stages today than we would have had before the 2011 flood. Okay, well, are those maps available to us, or is that something we have to talk to our local uh, out at the dam here? Well, it's it's not necessarily a map. What we have, like for Yankton, is a rating curve. You know, so we get a gauge reading off our data collection platform, and we convert that to a flow. So, so we have a rating curve. And I don't know that any mapping. I'm looking around. I don't think any mapping itself, like LARDAR mapping, has been done of the river uh, since the flood. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, um, any final questions before we adjourn? Yeah, this is Marshall again from the News Press. Go ahead, Marshall. I had forgotten, is Judd still on? 
Judd, if you're on, star six, come off mute. Hey, Marshall, this is Josh. Judd had to step off. Can I help you? Oh, yeah. Um, what have you been doing with local county emergency management people uh, above Kansas City in looking at preparations? You said you had, I think, four million sandbags on hand. But have you been having any meetings with the local emergency managers yet? Yeah, our, our process is a little different than Omaha. Our threat is mainly runoff uh, after the snow melt, so we meet a little bit later in the season. Uh, we're we're going to meet with the state of Kansas here coming up next month and uh, meeting with the state of Missouri as well. Then that information gets pushed down to the locals as well. Uh, we also have some, some local training that we're going to do uh, out with some of the local sponsors. This year it's going to be in Salina, and it's going to be down in uh, New Haven. Missouri. Okay, so nothing, you don't nothing plan up it. north this year. Nothing up north. Yep. So Holt County, which seems to get a flood every year, they're well seasoned. They're well seasoned at flood fighting. What about Donovan County on the opposite side? Uh, Donovan, we we did uh, flood fight training last year in Topeka. And we had some of the local sponsors uh, come to Topeka from that area. Each year we try and do different locations in the basin, uh, in the Kansas City basin. Okay. Try and provide. That's all I've got then. Okay. Thanks, Marshall. Uh, Any other questions before we adjourn? This is Gary Stonkert from Bismarck Emergency Management. Ted, please. Uh, just a couple of quick questions for Jody. Um, I know our main concern is probably ice jamming because of the wild card, but I was just wondering, what is the um, um, garrison capacity at right now compared to 2011? Uh, that's just just, just kind of uh, curious to see what the storage capacity is at the same time of year. And then the, the second question would be, if um, I know we... In 2011, to me, it seemed like it was the rains that, you know, that was that third piece that really in my opinion, made the flood happen. Where would we be if we had the same kind of rainfall, um, you know, happen sometime this spring up in the Montana area and that water started coming our way? Are we um, still sitting okay for for storage at Garrison if we would have the same kind of rain that we did in 2011? Okay. Um, Hypothetical, I know, but... Uh, yeah, that's not that's all right. We're looking at things like that. Um, in terms of the Garrison levels, uh, the reservoir today is 6.4 feet lower than it was on this day in 2011. So that's part of that 5 million acre feet of additional storage capacity. The reservoir system as a whole is almost 7 million acre feet lower than it was on 2011, but that's because in 2011 we'd already started to get some runoff into the system. Um, so we have uh, good storage capacity in the reservoir system. Um, and. If we were to get the same sort of rains that we had in 2011, uh, we believe that the reservoir system, because we have this extra storage plus our pool flood control capacity, um, that that we would still be in good shape. Um, you know, we we would, you know, if we got the 2011 runoff this year, we would have high releases, but they would be a fraction of what we experienced in 2011. Yeah. And, and thank you. The reason I asked is because. I'm not an expert in this at all, but it seems like the Montana snowpack that we have now or even what we had in 2011 is not necessarily unusual or record-breaking. So to me, it just seemed like 
that couldn't have been, you know, the prime, I mean, well, it was one of three issues, I guess, like you said before. So appreciate you answering the question. Right, and, and again, we are really just looking at only having one of those factors in play at the present time, and that's the mountain snowpack. Correct. Plain snowpack is light, and, uh, you know, the other factor is the runoff, and you know, you've heard the long-range weather forecasts. We're not anticipating those record-type rains across the upper plains. But if something, you know, freakish happened and we had the rain, then we'd have two out of those three, which, of course, is, is still only two out of three, but I um, was just wondering what the capacity was. So you're comfortable yeah. with with if we would even have that same, that we'd still be in good shape? That's correct. Thank you. Jody, this is Dennis Toddy. Just to add on to that, that we, we can't give any kind of an out, a long-range outlook to say that something like, like that kind of storm in Montana in 2011 could or couldn't happen again. But from a climatological perspective, that was a freakishly large storm uh, you know, where you had 50% of your annual rainfall in one event over you know a half of the state or something like that. So... It, it people need to understand that about how bizarre that precipitation event really was on top of two other major events. Thank you. Okay, do we have any other questions? In an effort to maintain open lines of communications, these calls will continue through July 2014, and I want to thank all of you today for participating on the call. Thanks again. We're adjourned.